How would you describe yourself if you had to go for a job interview this afternoon? And not just any interview, the interview of your life with the one person who could change everything. Maybe it's for a company you've been dying to work with or with an investor that has the power to greenlight a project you've long been dreaming about. How do you articulate what it is you bring to the table, the value you can offer? How does your uh, background and experience factor in? What about your potential? Who are you? What have you done? What are you passionate about? And why should any of that matter to me? How do you introduce yourself to people who don't know you? Or to think about it another way, can you tell me a story about yourself that would be so compelling I'd have to hire you? This is the first in a five-part series outlining the pillars of marketing. And today, we're going to talk about pillar number one, identity. There's an old saying that goes something like this. You'll only find three kinds of people in the world. Those who see, those who can see when shown, and those who will never see. This is Restaurant Strategy, a marketing podcast for everyone in the middle. Hey everyone, thanks for tuning in. My name is Chip Close and this is Restaurant Strategy, a marketing podcast dedicated entirely to chefs, restaurant owners, and marketing professionals working in hospitality. Each week I choose a different topic, we explore that topic, pick it apart, hopefully come across some useful insights, and then we finish with an assignment, a short actionable task you can do right away to start implementing some of the ideas that we talk about here on the show. because information is only as valuable as the action it inspires. If you like the podcast, I want to say right up front, please go ahead and subscribe. If you feel so inclined, please go ahead and leave a review. The more five-star ratings we get, the more it just helps boost our visibility. That means we can reach more people and eventually start to broaden the discussion. As I mentioned at the top, this is going to be the first in a five-part series where we discuss the five pillars of marketing. So you'll notice that we've released all five of these episodes at once, and that's because I know everyone learns differently. Some of you will want to be methodical and dole them out over time. I get it. You're certainly free to do that. But others, I'm sure, are like me, and you'll want to dive in right away and spend the entire weekend thinking about all of this. So now you can go ahead and do that. Just binge everything all at once. If that's what you want to do, go ahead and do it. Hopefully you've already listened to the first episode where uh, we agreed on a definition for marketing. So we stripped away all the jargon and the buzzwords, made it really simple. We boiled it down to just three questions. What's your product? Who's it for? And how can you reach them? So these next five lessons are meant to build on that definition. So if you skipped it, now might be a good time to hit pause on this episode and go give that other one a listen. Um, It's going to give you a, a good base of knowledge to be able to have this next conversation. If you're still here, uh, I assume you've gone and listened to that episode and come back, or you've already listened to that episode. Uh, We're glad to have you as we move forward um, to build a cohesive marketing strategy. uh, Businesses first need to understand something that I call the pillars of marketing. Uh, What are the five pillars? Well, they are number one, identity. Number two, audience. Number three, competition. Number four, differentiation. And number five, opportunities. If the three questions from last week were the bones, uh, these five pillars are where we start putting some meat on the bones, right? This is where we uh, we help you better understand your product uh, and help you find an audience for your product. So today's topic, pillar number one, identity. You have to know who you are and what kind of product you're selling. 
What's more, you have to be able to communicate that, to articulate exactly what it is you've got. Just like in a job interview, right? You have to sell yourself and explain why you're it. Now, I'm sure there are already a bunch of hands in the air. Yes, we can all think of a dozen or so restaurants that just opened, right? No big idea, no no way of explaining what it is they were doing. They just found a spot, made a menu, opened the doors, and started taking people's money. And yeah, you can try that. It might work. But I'm going to give you a warning. The industry right now is at a saturation point, and I believe just having a quote-unquote good restaurant is no longer enough. What's more, I think people are inundated with messages. In fact, it's estimated now that the average American sees 5,000 ads a day. Emails, social media posts, banner ads, billboards, TV commercials, and so on. It's just too hard to cut through the noise, so we need to stack the deck, which means finding ways to separate yourself. So the five pillars of marketing are going to help you do just that. And most important uh, is right at the beginning, something called identity. That's why I'm starting with it. So how do you describe a brand? Think about big companies like Starbucks and Nike and Apple and think about their identity. Who are they? What do they sell? What's the experience of interacting with those brands? How does their messaging help influence your opinion of them? Uh, the packaging, colors, fonts, the smell of the store, the feel of the products, the advertising you see. What are some key images? What are the takeaways? It's no different for restaurants. So let's start to break things down. I've identified six areas that help define the identity of a restaurant. Some of this, uh, it's going to seem obvious, but I'm always surprised by how few people actually take the time to write all this down to get specific about what it is they do. So let's discuss those six areas. They are level of dining, cuisine, location, people, brand experience, and positioning. So this first area, level of dining, there are four main levels of dining that we talk about in the restaurant industry. At the top, we've got fine dining. Below that is casual dining. Below that is kind of an emerging field called fast casual. And then at the bottom, we've got QSR, quick service. So QSR uh, used to be all fast food, right? So McDonald's, Burger King, Wendy's. Uh, nowadays, Chipotle is probably in this group, In-N-Out Burger, Shake Shack. Uh, the prices are low, the food is put up very fast, and the meal is meant to be consumed quickly. Uh, the goal is to get people in and out. Uh, just above that, fast casual, like I said, this is a relatively new category that's been exploding over the past several years. Uh, these are usually a step above fast food, both in kind of the, the decor and the ambiance, uh, but also in the quality of the food. Uh, the best example I can give is a place like Panera Bread. So you order your food and, and then you find a place to sit. Oftentimes you'll have someone uh, come deliver your food to the table where you're sitting. Casual dining is a sit-down meal with a waiter. This can be everything from a burger joint to a pizza place to uh, some of the big chains, right? It's a huge category. Uh, you pay more for this experience than you would at a, a QSR or a fast casual concept. Uh, and the focus is, is more on the dining experience, right? So again, there are thousands of examples of this from your local pizza place to, to Applebee's to Buffalo Wild Wings and on and on and on. Finally, we have fine dining, and this is uh, typically the most expensive of the four categories. Um, it's usually reserved for special occasions, at least I think that's how a lot of Americans think of it. Uh, the decor, the music, lighting, food, and the service um, should all be exceptional, right? It is about the experience of dining, um, and it's about uh, the very highest level of dining. Interestingly enough, just as fast casual has been emerging over the last uh, 
10 years or so, the lines have uh, started blurring between casual dining and fine dining uh, because we now see top-notch food being served in a, in a more casual atmosphere. Um, so people want a great meal, but without all the fuss and pretense of a stuffy dining experience. So the next, um, the next area I want to talk about is cuisine, right? Uh, the kind of food you serve. Um, how would you describe it? And perhaps it's a mashup of styles, or perhaps it's hard to categorize. That's fine. Let's try to do it anyway. The more articulate you can be about what you're serving, the better off you're going to be. Um, there are very few products in this world that people pay for without some kind of description. I mean, imagine this conversation, right? Well, what kind of food is it? Oh, I don't know. You just have to try it. There are places out there where that works, but they are few and far between. So, so think about it. Is it a pizza place, a burger place, a diner, a French bistro, sushi, New American, fine dining? Whatever it is, let's try and, let's try and be articulate about what it is. Uh, so I want to talk about then location. Um, and by that, we mean what sort of area? Is this in a city or a suburb? Or is it rural? Um, what kind of neighborhood are you in? Are you, um, what are some of the defining characteristics of the area? And then let's talk about the physical street address. Are you a standalone restaurant or are you in a shopping center, in a mall? Are you in a heavily trafficked area? Or are you on a side street? Um, try to describe the specifics about your location. I want to talk about people. Let's look at the prominent people involved with the restaurant because a robot didn't open the place. It didn't just magically appear. Um, a restaurant is a culmination of a lot of work. Um, the place is infused with the personalities and experiences uh, of the people that work there. So the chef, the owners, the waiters, the cooks, the busboys, the dishwashers, the place reflects your aesthetic, but also the aesthetic of the people who work there. Um, the things you like and the things you don't like have, a, have an effect on um, the finished product. So let's talk about the prominent people involved. Again, we start at the top with the owners and the chef, and then we work down from there. Anyone who helps define the identity of the restaurant. Uh, next, I want to talk about brand experience. And, and this is a bit of a catch-all category, right? So think about the things that are unique about your restaurant. I think of Carmine's in New York City and, and how everything is oversized and served family style to the center of the table, right? It's in the heart of Times Square. It caters predominantly towards tourists. And it's something, uh, it's something to talk about, right? There are no individual menus, just a big uh, blackboard on the wall. People order. It's a huge amount of food, and, and that's part of the fun of it. Um, or I think about a barbecue place here in the city called Hill Country. Uh, the owners tried to capture the energy and the spirit of a Texas food hall, right? Where you pick up a tray and you go from counter to counter to get all the food that you want. Um, so you get the barbecue over here, the poultry over there, the side dishes are here, um, your drink across the way, the desserts over at this counter. Um, at each counter, you get your food, they punch your ticket, and then you pay on your way out. Especially in New York, this is a very different experience than what people are used to. And so it became something recognizable. It was part of the experience of, um, of interacting with that brand. Um, and it's become something that identifies who they are. Um, so again, when we're talking about brand experience, we talk about um, what it means to interact with that brand. It's a wild card category, um, but these can be some of your most important insights as you start coming up with the identity of your restaurant. Finally, the last section uh, is what marketers refer to as positioning. Since we're constantly being inundated with images and ideas and sales pitches, uh, we try to put a, a new idea next to an existing idea, right? Something the consumer already knows. Um, Seth Godin, who I spoke about last week, he's this um, best-selling author and marketing guru. He, uh, he does this exercise in his brilliant online course called The Marketing Seminar, um, and he uses these few key examples I'm going to borrow from him because they're great. Maserati is a cheaper Ferrari. Duke is the Yale of the South. Tesla is an electric Mercedes. 
So what are you like and how can you position yourself next to something that will speak to your audience? How can positioning help inject your product into more conversations? Um, again, your marketing strategy has five pillars and number one, the one we're talking about today is identity, which just boils down to getting clear on what your product is. So again, from the top, it's level of dining, cuisine, location, people, brand experience, which is that wild card, and then positioning. This week's assignment is simple. I want you to go through these six areas and get clear on the identity of your restaurant. So I want you to identify the level of dining. Are you fine dining, casual dining, fast casual, or QSR? You must fall into one of those four. Then identify the type of cuisine you serve. After that, describe the location, right? The, the city, the neighborhood, the address, and then give me a little bit about the area. Then I want you to talk about the people involved with your restaurant, the key personalities. The wild card we spoke about was a brand experience where you describe some of the unique aspects of your restaurant. Again, this can be uh, any number of things. Finally, we talked about positioning. I want you to put your product next to something. Duke is the Yale of the South. What, what are you putting your restaurant next to? Finally, in a paragraph or two at the very end, I want you to wrap it all up for me. Um, I want you to pull it together into a, a simple, cohesive statement. For now, it's just for our use, but it's the best way I know to start, um, to start helping you get clear uh, about what your product is. I didn't mention this earlier, but I've created a workbook for these five episodes uh, for the marketing pillars. You can certainly just build your own document or just scribble these answers on a piece of scratch paper, but there may be value for having everything all together in one place. And so we've built um, kind of a workbook. Uh, this is one of those exercises where, uh, where handwritten answers actually um, can help bring this to life. So you can find the link to download the workbook in the show notes. Uh, I, I urge you to do that. Um, Finally, I'll finish this lesson with something I said back in episode number one. We sell food and wine, yes, but that's not the product. These pillar exercises just uh, are helping us get clear about what the product is. Remember, it's an experience and it has everything to do with serving our audience. Which, of course, brings us to the next episode. Pillar number two is audience. I, I want to make sure um, you continue on because uh, the next time uh, we just build on these lessons, and this is where we start identifying who we're trying to serve. Again, those five marketing pillars are identity, audience, competition, differentiation, and opportunities. This is the first of five episodes. I hope you'll continue on with me. Once again, I want to thank you for tuning in. I hope you guys are finding this information valuable. As always, uh, I leave you with a little something we call continuing education. Um, and this week, it's a, it's a 2005 TED Talk by psychologist Barry Schwartz. It's called The Paradox of Choice. Um, you, you might have already seen it. It's a lecture that has a, a lot to do with his book by the same name. Uh, it's a lecture I actually first listened to years ago, long before I started working in marketing. Um, but I recently visited it and, and suddenly realized how timely it was, especially these days when we're offered so many different choices. People are increasingly more paralyzed by the sheer number of choices. Um, so I'd urge you to watch the lecture. It's just about 20 minutes, and I think you'll find it has a lot to do with what we're doing here. Thanks again.